Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org T's and C's apply This is a game day podcast from TalkSport Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport with me Sam Matterface the Mirror's assistant editor Darren Lewis and TalkSport's Alex Crook as the top four race reaches a fantastic climax Here is Havertz and Havertz has rolled it into the bottom corner and Kai Havertz is at the double for Chelsea. That's for Salah! And Mohamed Salah has scored for Liverpool. And here's Iannaccio up against Sanchez, lifts it over the goalkeeper and into the top corner. Kalechi Iannaccio equalises for Leicester City. We'll talk you through all the big matches on Sunday where TalkSport will bring you unrivaled coverage. We're anchored at the King Power Stadium. Alex Crook, TalkSport commentator, thinks there might be a sting in the towel. I think the one game that gives Leicester hope possibly is Chelsea away against Aston Villa. The home fans coming back into Villa Park. Jack Grealish fit. Dean Smith will have his side fully fired up to end what's been a decent season on a high. So for me, that's where the jeopardy could come. Although if I was a betting man, I'd say that all three will probably win. Also this week, the race for the Europa Conference League. I know you're excited. Roy Hodgson isn't finished and Dyche wants more cash. All on the ultimate preview of all the weekend's footballing action. From TalkSport, it's the Game Day Podcast. And what a big night it was on Wednesday night for Liverpool, winning once again to take them into the top four for the first time since Valentine's Day. Uh, Alex Crook, TalkSport commentator, is with me. Hello. And a very gleeful-looking, happy-looking, smooth operator himself, Darren Lewis. How are you? You can imagine how I am. How many podcasts have I been on with you telling you about Liverpool's character? And look... Actually, what you said was they're not going to do it. There's no chance they're going to be able to do it because they'll have to win all the games. No recollection of that whatsoever. We can play it to you if you want. (laughs) (laughs) I I was actually on air with you when Manchester United were playing Liverpool at uh, Old Trafford a couple of weeks ago. You were on air on TalkSport with Hugh (laughs) and Leanne and you were like, no, no, it's not going to happen. They're going to lose tonight, blah, 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 blah. And as the night went on, you just got increasingly more confident as a Liverpool fan. (laughs) So, if, if you if you do do it, Darren, do, do Fred and Eric Bailly get a place in the Anfield Hall of Fame for their performance that night? <laughs> Listen, you can save your moans and your tears for Manchester United for later. Right now is all about triumphalism. <laughs> and let me tell you... <laughs> Simply the fourth best. Uh, uh, now listen, the, I, I said before, all of the stuff that's happened, and I think Darren Bent has said the same thing on TalkSport this week. When you look at what's happened to Liverpool this season, the injuries they've had, the coronavirus reeking through the camp, the loss of form, the loss of confidence, the character that they've shown to go nine games undefeated and they've won their last four, could end up winning the last five, I think 
absolutely outstanding. Outstanding. But let's be honest, I mean, it is a, a fantastic achievement for a side that finished 18 points clear at the top of the table last year, winning the champions and being uh, being the champions. And obviously, you know, they struggled so much this season that they were top of the table at Christmas. Um, but look, you know, let's not, get, let's not <laughs> let the facts get in the way of a very good story. Um, I must admit, I think the narrative around it is a little bit short. The truth is, is they actually slipped off the bridle because they made bad decisions in January. They should have stuck with Phillips and Williams a lot earlier because I've got to be honest, I thought Nat Phillips on th- uh, Wednesday night was terrific. He was fantastic. Do you know they average only conceding 0.7 goals per game when he's in the team and 1.4 when he's out of the team? I mean, that's a big change. The, the issue is that you're being wise after the event, Sam, because I think in January when he arrived, he... Listen, no, no, he, he didn't arrive fantastic. in January. Phillips. He was fantastic. He was fantastic against Burnley, no doubt whatsoever. But both he and Kabak and Williams as well, all of them were raw. All of them, they'd not got their feet under the table. There was no cohesion. That They've had to take that time to build it up. And you talk about Liverpool being top at Christmas and make it, letting it slip through their fingers. The effects of losing Van Dijk took their toll steadily on that side. Plus the loss of form as well, the coronavirus. Yeah. Mane's not been the same player since having the coronavirus. That is true. It, sorry, in October. Salah has retained his form. He has done superbly. Jota has been injured. In midfield, we've had injuries. You, anybody who turns around to me and says Liverpool bottled it, let it slip through their fingers, have been terrible. I shut my ears to them because you are not listening to what has happened in terms of the story of their season. They've been terrific. And I will not hear of anybody saying, oh, they bottled it. Worst champions ever. Say what you like. They'll be back next season. Should we just have a, a let the facts tell the story? Look at the teams they've beaten in this running. Um, Sheffield United, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Fulham, couldn't beat Newcastle, Aston Villa, who've been in free fall, Arsenal, who are dreadful, Burnley, West Bromwich Albion, Manchester United Reserves, and probably Crystal Palace at the weekend. A bit, bit of revisionism, that, that wasn't Manchester that United Reserves, just to say. That is a favourable fixture list. Well, Manchester United without Harry Maguire basically is a, is a reserve team. <laughs> Come on, let's get to the weekend because there's so much to sort out. A lot to uh, reflect on from midweek, but we're looking forward because Sunday is Judgment Day. Havert and Havert has rolled it into the bottom corner and Kai Havert is at the double for Chelsea. Fantastic game, fantastic atmosphere. Uh, it's a surprise that I say this with what 8,000 spectators but sounded like 80,000 to me and uh, I'm so happy that we could show a performance like this with our fans in the back push us and, and helped us. Um, it was a well-deserved win and uh, I'm happy but uh, the job is not done yet. As for Salah and Mohamed Salah has scored for Liverpool. When you win the semi-final, you go to the final. That's where we are and we will give our absolute everything to win that as well. And here's Iannaccio up against Sanchez, lifted over the goalkeeper and into the top corner. 
Kalechi Iannaccio equalises for Leicester City. We just need to concentrate on ourselves. The players have been outstanding and uh, we've got one more game to go. And let's start with the race for the Champions League because there's three cracking games going on on Sunday. Crystal Palace at home for Liverpool. Chelsea go to Aston Villa. And Leicester welcome Tottenham. I'm going to be at the King Power Stadium with Trevor Sinclair. Live commentary and all the goals as they go in. We'll be buzzing around all the grounds, making sure you're up to date with everything on TalkSport. The best way to listen to us on Sunday is via the app. Download it. You can swipe between TalkSport and TalkSport 2 and some of our other app commentaries. Because even going further down some of the games, there are are some that do mean things despite the fact that actually maybe last week we all thought oh it's all over it's all done certainly the race for the top four isn't done this is the way it looks right now Chelsea in third 67 points plus goal difference of 23 Liverpool in fourth 66 points plus goal difference of 24 Leicester slipped to fifth 66 points but plus 20 now I think when we sat down last week and we asked about top fours and I said I thought Leicester were going to miss out on goal difference I think you all were sort of like raising eyebrows if to say how's that going to happen well it looks like that is going to happen if all three win all of their games. Yeah, I, listen, Liverpool will win. Uh, Crystal Palace, their, their their big cup final was trying to give Roy Hodgson a, a winning sender for Selhurst Park. They couldn't even do that. Zaha's body language was poor. I think they'll be on the beach at Anfield. Not only will Liverpool win, I think they'll win well. Leicester will probably beat Tottenham based on what we saw against Aston Villa in midweek, all the furore about the Harry Kane transfer saga. We'll come on to that. I think the one game that gives Leicester hope possibly is Chelsea away against Aston Villa. The home fans coming back into Villa Park. Jack Grealish fit. Dean Smith will have his side fully fired up to end what's been a decent season on a high. So for me, that's where the jeopardy could come. Although if I was a betting man, I'd say that all three will probably win. Yeah, Darren, it is one of those where Liverpool have got it in their own hands. That makes a major difference, doesn't it? It does. It does. And uh, the momentum is with them. The confidence with them is with them uh, undefeated in nine. As I said before, they've won their last four. The opposition doesn't really matter. You don't get extra marks for artistic impression. I think as far as Liverpool are concerned, they're scoring goals now. Phillips is in the zone. You mentioned you're right to mention his performance last night, and they've just got so much character, and that's the reason why. And and I agree with Crook. Palace are on the beach. They have been for quite some time. Um, the, Hodgson's done well, and I think we probably should have a special word for Hodgson because I think when he arrived, De Boer, the sexy football experiment had gone badly wrong. And he came in and saved them from what many people felt would be certain relegation. And he's kept them safe every season since he's been there. He's a, he's done a wonderful job. He clearly didn't want to leave. My understanding is that he didn't want to leave at all. He doesn't think that he's finished with top-level football. Uh, and I think he is going to do a good job for somebody if they find themselves in trouble next season. But I think as far as he's concerned, with him and Allardyce, them stepping down, it's an end of an era. Two great managers. Yeah, I think uh, people forget that Roy's been around since the late 70s, early 80s, uh, forged a career in Sweden and Scandinavia, is very well thought of there, took Switzerland to the World Cup in 1994, but also took them to third in the world, managed into Milan on two occasions, also managed Finland and got them within a hair's breadth of taking them to a major championship, um, and obviously worked with England. It didn't work out at Liverpool, 
maybe the England experience is tarnished. Well, it is tarnished by the the, the major tournament uh, failures, and, and they were failures, all all three of them. I think you can probably uh, level that at. Um, but um, listen, at West Brom, he's done a brilliant job. At Fulham, he's done a brilliant job. Crystal Palace done a brilliant job. Um, he, he certainly needs respect and he's a great guy to sit and talk to as well he's always happy to turn a phrase and to talk to you um about uh, about football he loves football and he's uh yeah. he's maybe from the old school of coaches and maybe he's, he's, it's a slightly different relationship with players now but I think all the players respect him and that's shown by the fact that Crystal Palace are well and truly safe yeah, and you say he's from the old school, but clearly he's had to evolve. You don't spend 45 years in frontline no. management unless you can have some kind of rapport with young players. And listen, that Palace dressing room now is is full of young millionaires and it could be difficult for a 73-year-old really to get on their level, but clearly he's done that. And I think he was interesting last night after the game. He said management is like parenthood. It's changed over the decades and he's had to move with the times. But I think Darren's right. I I don't think he's necessarily going out on his terms. I asked him last night, it's the last that we've seen of Roy at Crystal Palace. Is it the last that we've seen of Roy in football? And he said, I'd be foolish to say that I'm retiring. You only retire if you've got somewhere to go, but pipe and slippers and a country cottage. I've got none of those things, which I thought was a great uh, way of putting it. So I I think he will be back um, if he has his way. And I think it's a dangerous time for Crystal Palace because they they tried with De Boer, you know, changing the style of play. It was an absolute disaster. They've got so many players out of contract. Roy Hodgson has done such a good job stabilising them. If they make the wrong appointment, all that hard work could very quickly unravel. Who is going to be the new Crystal Palace manager? Because I think the common wisdom was it was going to be Frank Lampard and his odds came hurtling into to favouritism. I'm not sure that's the case now. I don't think it's going to be Sean Dyche. I don't. I know for a fact it's not going to be Eddie Howe. Steve Cooper, the Swansea manager, has been mentioned quite a lot to me. And I wonder whether or not that depends and hinges on whether he gets his team to Wembley and ultimately into the Premier League. I'm not sure that's a step up. I'm not sure Palace fans would see that as a step up from Roy Hodgson. Yes, obviously the style of play is different, but... Steve's a very, very good coach and very experienced at at bringing through young players. Obviously, he took England to the under-19 World Cup finals. But ultimately, this is a guy who's only done a couple of seasons in the championship. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Sean Dyche was the name that was given to me a long time ago as, as someone that would be top of their list. I think the issue there is that Sean Dyche is actually um, well paid at Burnley. He, he earns a lot more than maybe you would expect for a, a club who aren't particularly willing to splash the cash when it comes to the transfer market. But it, it will be interesting. I mean, you have to think that they have a, a definitive plan, Crystal Palace, because we've all known for some time now that Roy Hodgson is leaving. So if they haven't got a plan, <laughs> something has gone badly wrong there. But I agree with you, it won't be Eddie Howe and I don't think it'll be Frank Lampard. I asked Daishi last night, actually, whether he was, uh, was there any truth to the rumours about him being linked with other jobs? And he said... I'm flattered to be linked with all these jobs. I've been here for eight and a half years. I'm still here at the moment. So he wasn't battering uh, them down and, and saying that there was no truth to them, that's for sure. But I think that maybe sends a little bit of a smoke signal up to the uh, the owners of uh, Burnley. Give me some more cash, otherwise somebody else can take me and will take me, Darren. No, he's not ruling anything out. He's keeping his options open, and rightly so. It's the sixth season that he's kept him in the Premier League. They've got a a ridiculously small budget, and yet he keeps them competitive time and again. Me personally, I think that he would be an absolutely superb fit for the Crystal Palace job, assuming that Crystal Palace want to give him the investment that he would need to keep them competitive. I think there's only so long you can do 
what he's done for Burnley. Chairman and, and, and owners keep asking managers to perform miracles. Uh, we saw it in Pochettino. He left eventually. Well, they sacked him when their team ran out of steam. You've seen the way that Spurs have fallen apart. You look at West Brom, they sacked Billich because they didn't think he was good enough when the problem, again, was the team. They didn't want to invest. Eventually, clubs have to start backing managers and investing in the team rather than expecting them to continue performing miracles. And if he doesn't get the assurances he wants from Burnley, he should go to Palace. Uh, Chelsea take on Aston Villa away from home on Sunday at four o'clock. All they need to do is win. In fact, if results don't go for Leicester or for Liverpool, then they'll be in the Champions League anyway. Um, They take on an Aston Villa side who have just come off the bridle a little bit in recent weeks. They've beaten them in six of the last seven meetings, including some good results away from home recently. Um, Thomas Tuchel has had a habit of... Turning up in the big games, I was about to say the big games, but obviously in the FA Cup final they didn't. I wonder whether or not that is because they identify the Champions League and qualifying for it as their main priority, Crook. Well, it's a must, isn't it? That was why Thomas Tuchel was brought in. And I think if you ask Roman Abramovich, would you take the FA Cup or a place in the top four? He would take the top four. He loves the Champions League, not just because of the financial riches that it brings, but because of the prestige of competing alongside the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid and, and, and Bayern Munich. And, I'm and they sure were Thomas quite Tuch- far back as well, weren't they, at one stage? They were nice and sacked by Frank Lampard. And he issued a statement saying that he couldn't see a sustained path to, to to improvement. In other words, he couldn't see where their next win was coming from. And so bringing in Tuchel was a great move. The, the interesting thing about Tuchel, we've raved about him and rightly so. I agree with you, Crook. Champions League all day long over the FA Cup. Uh, as far as and I think that's why a lot of people had so much love for Leicester because it means something to Leicester it doesn't really mean anything to Chelsea Chelsea want to be in the Champions League season in season out and that's his brief but the problem is the size that he's dropped points against Wolves Brighton uh, Arsenal when everyone expected Southampton to Arsenal up Southampton absolutely and so I actually now for the first time since he's taken over don't know which Chelsea's going to turn up against Aston Villa. Mm, be interesting. I to agree. See. And um, they'll be up against one of the best goalkeepers in, in, in the country, in my opinion. Emmy Martinez, definitely for me, a contender for goalkeeper of the year. I don't think he's going to be comfortable for Chelsea. I, I can see them going into the, the later stages of that game needing a goal. I think that's where the story might just develop this weekend. Here's Iannaccio up against Sanchez, lifted over the goalkeeper and into the top corner. Kelechi Iannaccio equalises for Leicester City. We just need to concentrate on ourselves. Players have been outstanding and uh, we've got one more game to go. James Madison from an almost impossible angle gives Leicester City the lead. We arrive in the top four, then amazing. Liverpool, you know, Burnley and Palace that are tough teams to play against. Chelsea got to go to Aston Villa, we've got Tottenham. That's a great cross for Kane, diving header into the net and Tottenham have the lead. Our focus and our, like I said, I've said it all along, it's on the next game. My mind hasn't deviated from that, I'm sure Harry's hasn't. Back to Bale, inside the area, left footed guys into the far post and in and Bale equalises. We have to bounce back and win this weekend, it's a big game.
Leicester City are at home against Tottenham. If the story is not at Aston Villa, Chelsea, it could be there. And that's where I'm basing myself because I think it's a story whether or not Leicester get in or don't get into the Champions League. Because if they don't get in, when you go back over the last two years, they've been basically in the top four for every single week, apart from the two weeks at the end of the season. Yeah, it's incredible. Is it 69 weeks out of 71? They've been in the top four, obviously missed out last season, might miss out again. I think the fact they've got the FA Cup in the trophy cabinet would soften the blow, but you have to say it's still a major disappointment and does raise question marks about whether they have the ability uh, to get themselves over the line when the pressure is really on. I think Tottenham are a good opponent for them. You know, they're in a mess, that club at the moment. Uh, Daniel Levy writing to fans in the programme saying that they're ambitious, you know, pointing out they spent £250 million since the stadium was built. It's not going to wash with those Spurs fans who were stuck away in the top tier uh, of the stands at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I didn't understand that at all. Harry Kane pointedly waving to all four sides of the ground, despite what Simon Jordan has been saying on TalkSport this week. Clearly, he is pushing for that move uh, away from North London. I think Leicester will beat Tottenham. I think they will probably beat them quite comfortably. And it could mean that Tottenham uh, not only miss out on a place in Europe, but they're not even the best team in North London, which is incredible when you think that Arsenal have lost 13 one three thirteen Premier League games this season. Okay, we'll get to that in just a second. Let's concentrate on the Champions League. Uh, Leicester City um, and their. You mentioned that Leicester City maybe doesn't mean as much to them to get into the Champions League because they've got the FA Cup on already on the mantelpiece. But ultimately, I suppose this is it. This is where Brendan and Leicester are, isn't it? You know, they are the, the sort of fifth best team in the league or should be the fifth best team in the league in terms of budget, the way they operate. In fact, maybe they should be lower than that, seventh, if you factor in the budget at Tottenham and at Arsenal. And actually, they're already punching above their weight. To get into the Champions League would be a major, major coup for him. But also, I think it's worth pointing out, you know, we had a great discussion for probably six, seven months about how exciting this league was and somebody else was going to win the title. Manchester City won it. All these teams, West Ham and Leicester, were going to get into the top four. And actually, it's probably going to be Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea and Liverpool again, Darren. Yeah, just pull you up on one thing. You, you kind of misrepresented me. I said the FA Cup means more to Leicester. No, I agree with you. To Chelsea. Not the top four. I think Leicester absolutely are ambitious for the top four. Um, and so I'm, I'm only slightly hitting it over the head with that because I think in general terms, you're right. There is a predictability uh, about the Premier League. But... At the same time, I still the fact that it's wide open and it could be different, it suggests that the, the tide is turning. And I think you're right to focus on Leicester in particular because the budget is smaller than it would be at Spurs. But the recruitment at Leicester is so much better. This season, Soyuncu, Justin, Thomas, Castagna, Fafana, all of them have come in and all of them have done superbly this season. Players that have come into their own, Indeedy, Tielemans, who's always been a super player, Ian Atcher, who's taken the pressure of Vardy with his goals. Uh, listen, they've had three Premier League wins from their last six. I think that there's every chance that they could smash a disillusioned Spurs side on the final day. And then who knows if Chelsea can only draw against Aston Villa? Who knows? Or, 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 Lister, or, or Liverpool drop points. I mean, that still is Liverpool will win. I, yeah, I think that's the biggest possible. certainty on the final day. Hold on. L- you Liverpool said that in 2015, down at Selhurst Park, didn't you? They were 3 0 up. 
I think it has to come down to mentality. And Darren's been singing Liverpool's praises when the going has got tough, when they've needed to grind out wins to get in the Champions League. They've done that. Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel have been a machine. Manchester United, despite the fact they've been rubbish in many games this season, are going to finish second. Leicester are going to come up just short because maybe it's not ingrained in their players that they have to finish in the top four. It's a bonus if they get in the top four. And psychologically, maybe that just loses a little bit of edge at this business end of the season. I also noticed that you know we haven't mentioned the fact that Leicester have had quite a lot of injuries as well. So we probably need to give them a little bit of respect like we you know we, we do whenever we mention Virgil van Dijk so yeah, <laughs> but you know they, they've had injuries and also last week after they won the FA Cup I thought about the players that they've sold as well and they've, they've had no option but to sell them because every time the bigger clubs have come in the players have wanted to go Mares, Chilwell Kante drink water who okay it's turned sour for Maguire. him had to surrender absolutely they have had to sell some huge players, but the money that they've reinvested, in a way, this game, Leicester Spurs, is, is, is almost symbolic in so much as Spurs can look at Leicester and take lessons in how to reinvest the money that you receive for the players you are forced to sell. Because Leicester get it right every time. Tottenham appear to be getting it well not appear to they do they get it wrong every time they bring in players and very often many of them don't work out they're not letting the grass go Leicester either they've already tied up a deal for the Lille midfielder Bubakari Sumar and they're also going to sign Odson Edward from Celtic before the season starts again so they're determined that they're going to keep on giving the big boys bloody noses Edward's a fantastic signing as well he scores goals he gives them depth up front um, obviously Vardy will still be around but now you've got three strikers who could um, give them options as they compete for different competitions next season. Okay, so uh, Leicester, Chelsea and Liverpool all fighting it out to be in the top four on Sunday and we'll have the race for the Champions League live on Talk Sport. Make sure you download our app, get in touch on Twitter, join the conversation. It's going to be one hell of a day. Yeah, hold that please, level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. 
The race for Europa League includes the likes of West Ham, Tottenham, Everton and Arsenal. Um, plus whoever drops out of the uh, top four, possibly Leicester City, possibly Chelsea. Um, that seems to be the, uh, the, the the narrative at the moment. Let's see what happens. Uh, West Ham United on the final day take on Southampton at home. And I think it's worth pointing out that whatever happens now, because they've got 62 points from 37 uh, games played, they will be playing European football next season, which is great. Yeah, not to get into semantics, Arsenal can't qualify for the Europa League. They can only get into the Europa Conference League now. Uh, um, but you're right, West Ham need one point to guarantee themselves a place um, in the top seven. There is a little bit of jeopardy because their goal difference is significantly worse than Tottenham. But we've already said we expect Spurs to lose at Leicester. And again, good character from West Ham in midweek. Missed a penalty very early on, went behind to a bit of a freak goal, really, and still managed to, to grind it out and, and win pretty handsomely. I think it's a fantastic achievement from David Moyes. He hasn't played down their European aspirations, and it will be great if they can tie up that Europa League place in front of the fans returning to London Stadium at the weekend. Yeah, Tottenham obviously slightly behind the eight ball here. 59 points from 37 games. They were dreadful again on Wednesday night. Everton, 59 points from 37. They picked up a, a crucial win. They could yet manage to sneak themselves into the top six if they win by a lot and West Ham lose by a lot. Um, but um, Tottenham Hotspur... Everton, West Ham would be the favourites for European football going into the final day. They, I mean, But Arsenal can make it too, as we've already mentioned. I suppose significantly, Darren, Arsenal could finish above Tottenham Hotspur. They could do, but both sides would be nowhere near where they should be. So I don't think that that would be uh, any kind of badge of honour. If it is... But it would be a narrative, wouldn't it, that everybody fallen. who has been given Daniel Levy serious stick at the moment jumps on. The fact that they have ended up dropping out of the Europa League places, which could well end up happening, and end up being leapfrogged by Arsenal in a season in which they look so far apart from Arsenal for much of it, would be another, would be another stick to beat him with would be the final nail in the coffin because when Pochettino before the Champions League before they went into the new stadium Pochettino was crying out for new investment he said this side needs a painful rebuild we've got to reinvest in the team I remember after the Champions League final flying back with the boys and um, we realised that Spurs were in for Bruno Fernandes they wouldn't pony up the money Man United did and he ended up going there instead and in some respects, therein lies a problem with Spurs. They're always trying to do a deal instead of spending the money to bring in the big players. That's why they lose so many of their big players. I think if they, regardless of what happens on the final day, they've got to have a big, big summer. For me, Kane's going to leave. I, I think he's going to look at the likes of Carrick and Modric and Berbatov and Bale and Walker, uh, who's won his fourth title this season, Ericsson, who's one with Inter Milan and Trippio who's going to win this weekend with Atletico. And he's going to think to himself, I'm 28. I'm in my prime. If I don't go now, I never will. So I think he's going to leave. And I think Spurs now need to look at who they're going to replace him with, what else they're going to bring in. If they don't, there will be a revolt at Spurs next season. Who's going to be the manager? I keep coming back to Scott Parker. Why? Well, uh, hold on. Because you keep coming else? back to Scott Parker or you were told at the beginning that it's going to be Scott Parker because there's nobody else and because that is the kind of appointment that Spurs are in for at that level. They 
and you, Darren's now nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. They always want to do a deal. They always want to save a bit of money. They don't want to go out and pay the big bucks. They know if they get Scott Parker, they can get him on the relative cheap and they won't have to spend too much money because he's not going to argue with anyone. Or if he does argue with anyone, it's going to be behind the scenes. He's not going to do it in public. So that is why they're going to go for it. Is it the right thing to do? No, it isn't the right thing to do. Neither is it the right thing to do to give poor old Ryan Mason the responsibility to take a team into a cup final and towards the end of the season. But they've done that because that's what they do because they've got a lack of ambition. If they if they really wanted a fascinating appointment, if they didn't want to push the boat out to go for the established guys who are going to cost big money, Gerard would be fascinating because he's established his principles at Rangers. He's turned things around. He's brought them success. If you really wanted to intrigue people, get people watching again, see how he copes with a bigger club, bigger players, why not? I can't. I don't know if Steven Gerrard would leave Rangers to go to Tottenham at the moment. Whoever that's goes still, there is going not, to no, inherit I'm, an absolute I'm, I'm, car crash. But I'm asking what you think of the of, of the of the idea of him going. Yeah, I mean, the idea. The, listen, I like the idea of Steven Gerrard going there better than I do most other managers. I like the idea of them signing Julian Nagelsmann, but he's going to buy Munich despite the fact that he was linked ridiculously, with Tottenham Hotspur. These top managers, or managers that are in the future going to be top managers, aren't going to go to Tottenham Hotspur. That's a fact. Unless yep. Daniel Levy moves on. So, the way they run the club, the, the the tightness with which they hold the purse strings, it may look as if he's doing a great job for Joe Lewis, but ultimately, this is only going to last for a certain amount of time before the fans start to revolt. That's already started happening. You know, the, in the ground on Wednesday night, they waited, the supporters that were there waited for the players to come out and do their traditional lap of honour to say goodbye to the player, uh, to, to say goodbye to the fans. They hadn't seen the fans for six, seven months. You know, I was at Brighton. They did it there. I was at uh, the game at Burnley. They did it there because they needed to show Alice. appreciation to the people that had come along for the last home game of the season, who hadn't been in the ground. At Tottenham, they didn't bother coming out. They had to be cajoled out after 35 minutes, by which time the supporters had been told three times by the PA announcer to go home. And I can't tell you how many calls, texts, emails we got at Talk Sport on Wednesday night about that. During the commentary I was doing, Burnley-Liverpool, I was getting text messages of people who had been in that ground who felt as if they were completely let down by their football club. And that cannot be the case. At this stage, when they need a new manager, when they're trying to convince Harry Kane not to go off to pastures new, to behave like that to their supporters is an absolute disgrace. You know, it's I, totally I, I, disgraceful. Can I just follow up on that? Because, you know, all through the last, what, 10, 12 months, we've, we've been hearing this rhetoric about how fans are important. We've missed fans. You are the lifeblood of our game. And suddenly we get back and they get treated like that. And I think you're absolutely right to point that out. I think that it combined with that they're going to need to make signings to show they're ambitious. Well, Kane's been talking about ambition for a long time. If he has a word with uh, Bale next to him, Bale will say to him, this is Groundhog Day. They did this with me when I when they wanted me to stay and they didn't bring in the quality then and they're not going to bring in the quality in the summer. They're still going to try and do a deal. They're still going to make excuses for why they can't do it. And you look at the teams they dropped points against this season, Brighton, Newcastle, West Ham when they were 3-0 up, Palace when they led until the last 10 minutes, Wolves until they led, when they led until the last five minutes, Arsenal where they led and then they fell apart. Spurs are a team crying out for investment. 
but they won't invest. And that's why Kane's going to go. It's a football club that lacks direction, lacks leadership, lacks any kind of guile. I mean, trace it back to the fact that Daniel Levy decided to dispense with the services of Jose Mourinho the week before he was due to lead his team out in a major cup final at Wembley. The whole reason they sold their soul by bringing in Mourinho was because they thought he could deliver silverware. He didn't even get the opportunity um, to see that through. It was a baffling decision. And again, I think it was a financial um, decision because it would have been much harder to, to sack Jose Mourinho had he have won that cup and they'd have had to keep paying him top dollar. And they are going to go on the cheap. They, they were never going to attract Nagelsmann um, to come Crazy. over from the Bundesliga. It, 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 I think it will be Scott Parker. That's what I'm being told by, by people in the know anyway. Look, if, if it is Scott Parker... I wish him all the best because Scott is a really nice guy. He works incredibly hard. He's emotionally invested in every job that he does. And I hope that he pulls it off. But I think it's unfair on him to put him in that situation. Although, you know, like I say unfair on him, it's a great opportunity at the same time. But it's un- it's unfair on the Tottenham supporters to ask them to invest in somebody else who hasn't really got the experience. They'll point to the fact that they did the same with Maurizio Pochettino, took a gamble on him and look what happened. Okay, well done, Daniel Levy. You've appointed two good managers in 20 years. Harry Redknapp, who you got from Portsmouth and ended up taking you to the Champions League and did the first part of the job. And Maurizio Pochettino, who you took a gamble on. Apart from that, the rest of the 12 managers that you've appointed have been rubbish. Both those managers, they got by accident because both those managers, and, and you missed out a third, because they've only had three really successful relative terms managers, if you don't count Juan de Ramos because Ramos was sacked after the League Cup win. But I think... With them in the bottom three. Well, Martignol, Harry Redknapp and Pochettino. He didn't appoint Martignol, did he? Martignol just had to be somebody else's assistant. He was Jack Santini's (laughs) assistant. And so all of the three managers that they had, they got them by accident. Uh, Van Gaal was the one that they wanted before they... And Van Gaal wouldn't come. And that's why they went for their plan B, who was Pochettino. So, uh, and Redknapp as well, you know, they had other options before they went for Redknapp. So I think as far as... You're right. Over the period of time that they've appointed managers, time and again, they've got it wrong. And who doesn't love Scott Parker? He's a terrific guy, conducts himself tremendously well. But Dresses well. You've said that many times. Because he's jealous, that's why. Because he looks in the mirror and thinks, I wish I was Scott Parker. But is this sport a meritocracy? (laughs) Is this sport really a meritocracy when someone can fail as he has done? I'd still get the keys to one of the big clubs in this country. West Ham come forward and West Ham equalise. And it's Thomas Socek with a header from four yards out. We've got a big game on Sunday and I hope we can we can find a way to get over the line. It was an instant finish by Ings and Southampton lead. And it's turned in for 3-1 by Nicolas Pepe. And Arsenal are now firmly in control of this game. A game to play, we have to win it and let's see what happens. Lewis Dunk with the header and Lewis Dunk has scored for Brighton. Curling shot from Matthias Click, and that is an outstanding goal for Leeds United. Gets to the edge of the penalty area, left footed shot from Callum Robinson and he scores for West Brom. Rolls back to McGoldrick and he rolls it in the back of the net. Sheffield United lead of Bramall Lane. Now Chris Wood inside the penalty area steps away from Cody and he scores a brilliant goal for Burnley. Very disappointed. Um, we did create enough, but 
I think you only get what you deserve. We'll correct that. It's uh, natural after the 15, 16 months we've had with no fans that you want to do the, expe- uh, the spectacular once in a while. It is a golden chance to grasp the glory. Manchester United, uh, a final day of the season when they play Wolverhampton Wanderers. It's not the greatest game in the world, but if you were to sum up in a sentence what you thought of Manchester United's season, how would you sum it up, Alex? I think they've taken advantage of other teams falling below standards, but they found a level of consistency that have enabled them to establish themselves not only in the top four, but as Manchester City's nearest challengers. It will only be seen as a successful season if they win um, the Europa League, but they do have a chance to make history this weekend. It will be the first time if they avoid defeat, they've gone a whole top flight season unbeaten away from home. Well done to them. Uh, Leeds United have had a good season as well. Um, They'll finish top 10, won't they? I mean, pretty much is guaranteed now it is guaranteed now they've finished above Aston Villa as a result of that Marcelo Bielsa Darren who said he wouldn't be happy unless they finished between 5th and 10th um, can put a smile on his face yeah absolutely home game against West Brom at the weekend they've got they've had a fantastic style of play that has had a lot of people on the edge of their seats they've entertained they've established themselves as uh, a serious proposition in the Premier League and they've some real stars have emerged from this season. Calvin Phillips, Jack Harrison, Patrick Bamford's rammed a few critics' words down their throats. They've had a brilliant season in relative terms. Um, West Bromwich Albion are their opponents on final day, as you mentioned, and they're looking for a new manager as well after Sam Allardyce and his coaching staff announced late on Wednesday that they were going to leave. I, I did a, a sort of rough sort of calculation as to the sort of jobs that were going to be available this summer it's going to be a bit of a managerial merry-go-round let's just say Palace obviously are looking for a change of manager West Brom looking for a change of manager England under 21s looking for a change of manager Celtic looking for a change of manager Um, if Scott Parker goes to Tottenham who are looking for a change of manager that means that Fulham will be looking for a change of manager if Steve Cooper was to go from Swansea to Palace they too would be looking for a change of manager there's some reports that maybe even Bournemouth might be looking for a change of manager Sheffield United need a new gaffer it's not beyond the realms of possibility that Southampton could need a new manager Brentford if they don't get promoted will they be looking at a new manager Derby, they're going to have a takeover. My word, Real Madrid, Germany, Frankfurt, Hertha Berlin. I mean, Crook, don't turn your phone off. <laughs> yeah, not much summer rest for me. Um, Southampton won't be looking for a new manager. Ralph Hasenhutl, uh, still very safe in that job. But you're right, um, this is what, I'd, a dozen clubs there potentially. Leave my Ralph Hasenhutl alone. Who, who could Ralph. be in the hunt and do you know, do you know what you, one Ralph. man who's probably perfect for the bulk of those jobs and, and even for a return to Sheffield United and my understanding is that he wouldn't necessarily Mauricio Pochettino Chris Wilder oh. um, basically has his pick of those jobs I think he might end up at West Bromwich Jalby and that's been a, a rumour that's been bubbling away under the surface for some time I think that would be a great appointment Sheffield United have spoken to Slavica Jukanovic again uh, that for me would be a very sensible appointment if you're looking for someone with a proven track record of getting out of the championship be interesting to see where Fulham turn should Scott Parker as we've been talking about be offered the chance to take that job at Tottenham um, of course Maurizio Pochettino is at PSG and this morning I woke up to a picture of him holding a trophy with the words goat by it 
um, because Crook thought that he'd won the league in France, but he hasn't. He's won the League Cup. No, I didn't. I knew he'd won the Cup, but he's done the double now, hasn't he? Because he won the French Cup when he first got there. Now he's won the League Cup. Just, just pointing it's out that true. you guys tell me he never wins silverware. It's not true. He thought he'd won the league. Kane <laughs> probably thinks to himself, even Pochettino's won true at silverware. Everyone's winning silverware except for me. <laughs> um, I wanted to bring up officialdom this week. And um, we've obviously had some problems with VAR and um, the implementation of over the course of the season, but none more than at Brighton Manchester City on Tuesday night, which was dreadful. Um, even the Chelsea game later that night was poorly officiated. Um, I don't know whether or not there's a, a debate to be had about how you, you you alter it. Maybe not today, but you know the idea that one of the the poorer referees over the last 15 years is going to retire from active Premier League service and get a job in the VAR room is slightly concerning, bearing in mind his last act was to referee a game in which there was an offside goal given. You're talking about Lee Mason. Um, and obviously it was Nuno Espirito Santo who got in trouble for suggesting that maybe he wasn't of the required fitness standards needed of a Premier League official. So maybe sat in his chair drinking a cup of tea watching VAR that certainly navigates that problem but yeah he's not a great referee and I was, I was interested um, Ralph Hasenhut was speaking at his pre-match press conference in mid- midweek suggesting something that I've been banging on about on Darren Ben's boot room for a while now and that is ex-pros offering their services to, to take charge of the VAR and I, I think it's much needed because I think part of the problem and I don't want to sound like a dinosaur here part of the problem is that there's too many referees who don't understand the game having never played the game and I understand why ex-pros don't want to put themselves out to be shot at, abused by fans, abused by their former colleagues on the field. But I think there is a role for them to play at Stockley Park. And I think the PGMOL should make that happen. I disagree. I I, I keep hearing this over the years and you put ex-pros in these positions and they too make bad decisions. I think VAR should be operated by a completely independent body that, that comes in and can't be accused of favouring their mates, making decisions, defending the indefensible because they are part of, if you like, a refereeing team or fraternity. And I also think ex-pros get it wrong too. Uh, and, and so I don't think that we should go down that road. I've heard it many, many times. Yeah, Stuart years. Pierce has been saying this for ages. He thinks that it would be a great idea if you had people in the VAR room looking at these incidents. But ultimately, you know, when you look at the way it operates everywhere else apart from the Premier League, there is controversies, but nowhere near as many as there is in the Premier League. So I, I would I would suggest it's process rather than anything else. I have this absolute bugbear about communication. I think communication is the root of 90% of the problems we have in the world, let alone VAR. But communication with VAR is dreadful. You know, it's absolutely terrible. And I feel sorry a little bit for the guys that work in the communication office at the Premier League who try to tell us what's the decision-making process was on controversial incidents because sometimes they are inexplicable. So it's hard for them to sort of justify why a decision has been made when really and truly it shouldn't have been made in the first place. It doesn't help that when a former referee like Chris Foy stands there on the international arm of the Premier League broadcasting and explains why someone has been sent off, that two days later that red card then gets rescinded. So there, there seems to be a massive disconnect between what everybody thinks is a red card, what the PGMO think is a red card, and what the referees think is a red card. But but this is my point. Some referees 
who try to explain why red cards or controversial decisions are taken. They are friendly with the people who have taken these decisions. And so as a result, they don't want to be seen to be undermining them. And that's the reason why. That two is days the later, job. That's the job of the VAR. Everybody else says you cannot justify or defend the indefensible. And we see those red cards. Yeah, but over the one time. I was talking about with the Chris Boy thing was the Vestergaard red card, which was a red card. And for some reason, they yeah. got overturned and no one can understand why. Or if it, it was overturned, it was overturned on some weird technicality because they phrased it wrong when they wrote down why he was sent off. I mean, it's stupid. You know, and, and that is that is a real problem. They need to develop a system where they can communicate to all of the journalists as well what is going on with the VAR rather than just just make, letting people just make it up as they go along or or decide for themselves what's happened or try and fashion an idea of to what's happened or not even well, notice the VAR's checking. Let's let's tell people who are listening to this. We get invited to these briefings at the start of the season. We need to be more vocal. Well, we, we are. Some of us don't stop game. talking about it. It's boring. You know, no, it is boring. All I do on a Monday is talk about VAR. It's no, irritating. I mean, I'm not talking about when we broadcast. I'm talking about when we're in those meetings, because I think when we are in those meetings, when they, for example, I know in those meetings, I will be saying this rule about the flag only goes up after a phase of play has been completed. It's just a nonsense. It, it, you know, we are trying to sanitise the game already, but players are not instinctively celebrating goals because they're worried about VAR. And now you've got players who are clearly offside. Everyone knows they are. They're running 30, 40 yards, scoring a goal, celebrating, only to see the flag go up. It's just a mess. Okay, um, talking of a mess, sort out the top four for me. Before we go, Alex, who's going to finish the top four? I'd love to make a case for Leicester, but I think Chelsea will just about get the job done at Villa. So I think it will be Chelsea and Liverpool joining the two Manchester clubs. Status quo restored. Darren Lewis? I'm going to agree. I mean, I'm, I'm nervous for Chelsea because I don't think that victory at Villa is a given, but I think they'll get the job done. Uh, right, Darren Lewis, thank you very much. Uh, Alex, thank you very much. Uh, I don't know when we're getting together next week, but we are going to finish this uh, podcast series in absolute style. Um, I don't know what that means, but we are uh, in next the early part of next week when we review all of the weekend's action. Uh, make sure you rate and review the podcast on all of your providers, the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus of the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.